everyone. My name is Dr. April Jasper, and I am pleased to host today's podcast and continue my conversation with Dr. Amanda Nanasi on how to master Alcon's multifocal lens fitting process to make success simple. This podcast is sponsored by Alcon, and Dr. Nanasi has received compensation for her participation. Amanda, it's great to be back with you. Great to be here. This is actually my favorite topic, so I can't wait to get started. Awesome. So let's just jump right into it. Dr. Nanasi, Alcon talks about the 3-2-1 multifocal advantage. Can you tell us what that means? Absolutely. So it means that I have three different lenses that I can choose from for my patients when it comes to my multifocals. I have my Air Optics Hydroglide multifocals, my Daily's Aqua Comfort Plus multifocals, and my Daily's Total One multifocals. I have two replacement schedules to meet any patient's needs, my monthlies and then my personal favorite, my daily disposable or single-use lenses. And the best part is there, there is one design. So once I know how to fit one of these lenses, I can fit any of the lenses. So tell me more about this design. I've heard it called the precision profile design. Can you tell us about it? I can. So the reason I really like it is it allows me to get uh, really great vision for my patients, both at distance and near. It is a near center design, and there's just a little bit of extra minus power in the very far periphery. So what that does is it allows my multifocal patients to still have that excellent distance vision, which is one of the things that we kind of find that we have to compromise for many of our patients if we don't fit this type of design. So that brings up an excellent point. What is the likelihood of success with Alcon's multifocal design? So this is this is a crazy answer. And I got to tell you, when I first got my fit set a long time ago, I remember seeing the the, the statistics about how successful it should be. And I remember saying that there's, there's no way. Um, but after fitting this for a long time, the statistic is with the first lens that you put in on this patient, first lens in each eye, you've got an 80% chance of getting it right slam dunk on the first try. Now that means that you have to follow the fit guide, but if you do 80% on the first shot, and that is something that I think most doctors would be happy with just the 80%, but with two lenses, meaning I have my first option and then I end up going to a a second lens and modifying the prescription in some way, 96%. Wow. That is amazing. So you said it already, but what gets you to 96% fit success? Uh, Two lenses or less per eye. So um, maybe I have to pull out a slightly different prescription. Uh, and a lot of times that's what I'm doing in, in day one. Sometimes it might be what I do on the follow-up, but I wouldn't expect that I would have to do more than one alternate prescription with this one and, and get that really, really great success. That's incredible. So I, I heard you say that if you follow the fit guide, we should have that success. So let's walk through that a little bit. What is step one or the initial lens fit process? So step one is that I really need to know before I refract my patient that I'm going to put them into a multifocal design. Um, When I am actually 
having my uh, discussion with the patient. You talk about the fact that we're going to do a multifocal. And then when I have them in the phoropter, I choose my ad power differently than I would choose my spectacle ad power. And um, maybe that's something that you want me to go into a little bit more in depth, how I do that. Absolutely. So um, if we have, let's say we have a, a, what's a good example? Let's say I have a, a 50 year old patient. If I am going to fit this lens and I just say, ah, let's just follow age norms, I might say that that 50-year-old patient is about a plus two ad. And then if I look at my fit guide, I might say, oh, look, you know, a plus two would put them in a mid ad. But in reality, that patient may do even better and be more successful in a low ad. So what I do is after I get my distance prescription, um, I'd swing around to my office management program, I plug in their prescription, and then I put the, the near point rod in, and I'll tell you an alternative to that, personal preference again, is sometimes I'll give them a reading card and just say, hold this the distance that you would like to be able to read. That way they know that they have their, their perfect, comfortable distance, and I'll walk them into the plus. And when I get to the plus 125 point, I'm going to stop. And I'm going to ask them if they can see that 2020 line. And it doesn't mean that I would make, uh, and if they can read it, right? If they can read that 2020 line, it doesn't have to be perfect. It doesn't mean that I'm going to make their glasses add power at 125. It just lets me know that I have the option of using that low lens for them. So I'll swing back around to my EMR and I'll write a little note that says low ad power. And then I'll finish giving them the rest of the plus that I might put in their glasses, but I will tell you from experience, if someone says that they don't have success in this design, that's it. It's because they're choosing an ad power that's too high. So it sounds like what you're saying is that initial contact lens power is extremely important in your final lens success. Correct. Um, now, that's just talking about the ad power. So I'm going to go back. Let's let's make this hypothetical patient. Let's say that they're um, a minus one myope, right? And I just said they're, they're 50 years old and I was able to get them to see that 2020 line with a plus 125 ad. So I know that I'm gonna pull them a low ad power. Now, when I go to pick my contact lens, I'm not gonna pick a minus one. I'm gonna pick a minus 75. Those are the only two things that you need to know. You need to know that you add plus a quarter for each eye for your distance prescription and that you select the appropriate ad power based on the method that I just explained. So yeah, you, sure you better. And then when you do, Amanda, tell us, is it the same for both eyes? It is. And I do not check dominance. And you know, I'm a sports vision gal, so it's hard for me to tell you dominance doesn't matter. But when I'm fitting a multifocal lens, it absolutely does not matter. I fit both eyes the same plus a quarter to their distance power and then I choose their their ad based on my specific method for ad power for this multifocal design. Okay, so now they have the lenses, the initial lenses chosen. They've put them in. What is the next step? So they're going to put them in. And by the way, I'm, I'm probably not with them at this point. I talked to you in previous uh, podcasts that you know, I, I like this to be a really streamlined procedure. It doesn't take a lot of time for me. I'm in the room with them. I put them uh, or I choose the lens that I want them to have. 
And then my technician goes in, gets them the lenses, gets them to put on the lenses, and then escorts them out into the optical to walk around. Uh, it might be different for each doctor, but you have to find a place that's real world uh vision. You definitely don't want to leave them in the exam room with all the same things they were just looking at in their regular glasses, looking at your 2020 chart. Uh, you need to have your set spot where you put them. And if I put on my practice management hat, I might say, you know, take them over to the sunglasses, you know, because maybe they're going to want a pair of sunglasses or let them look at the optical because they're going to need a backup pair of glasses in case there's a day they can't wear their contacts and, and take advantage of that time that they have to settle. And the other thing I would say is, you know, you guys set them up to not expect it to be perfect when they first put them in. And I always kind of make a joke out of it. I'm going to say, listen, when you first put them in, I don't expect it to be crystal clear. And you might even put them in and go, ah, oh, what did you talk me into? But you just got to hang in there, give it five to 10 minutes. We're going to wait for that long before I come in and check and see how you're I love it. So what about helping them to judge near vision? Do you have them do anything while they're waiting that five or 10 minutes to see what that's like? So um, I, I used to ask them specifically not to get out their, their cell phones, but um, you know, now I let them look at their phone if they want to, because they're probably going to anyway. Some doctors might even recommend, you know, take a few minutes to look at your smartphone, but uh, and just again, in my experience, I feel like they usually will put the, the contacts on and say, oh, my distance is pretty good, but then they might look at their phone and, and not be able to see right off the bat just because with that narrow adaptation, I think it takes a little bit for them to figure out how to really grasp that, that reading power. Right. And I think light makes a difference as well. In my experience, have you found that it's important that we don't put them in the dilating room to get used to these? Oh, my goodness, that would be the worst. Yeah, absolutely do not put them in a dark room. Um, in general, I would put them in the most normal lighting situation that you can have, either in your, your if you have a specific contact lens area or maybe in the optical. Um, and, again, let them know that it's going to take a little bit to get better. You know, one of the things I think I've stolen or learned or borrowed, whatever we want to say, from others is to also find out exactly what's important to the patient because it's amazing how different we are and it may be that if we can understand better what their individual needs are we can really help them to not only show them how well they're seeing there but also be able to uh, refine that as well don't you find I agree. And um, think about patients that maybe you're converting from monovision that have never been able to see their computer screen really well. I love to literally get up out of my chair and plop them in my chair and say, roll up the screen and, and see how this looks. I love it. All right. So back to step one. That's where we are. We put the lenses on, chose the initial contact lens power correctly, made certain that we use their lowest acceptable spectacle ad. Now we gave them some time to get used to the lenses. What do you do next? Again, sometimes it's not what I do. Sometimes it's what my technician does because this, this part is so easy. I feel really confident that if I'm, you know, with another patient, she can do this. So we hunt down the patient from wherever they are, if they're in the optical or the contact lens area, 
and I walk them out. And the other doctors actually kind of laugh at me because I don't know why I, I chose the end of the hallway looking out into the optical as my spot because it completely blocks everyone trying to go to checkout. That's my spot. <laughs> and um, <laughs> we have them stand there and I say, okay, I want you to look out into the optical. And then I have my flippers in my hand. And if you don't have the really, I, I don't know who came up with these flippers, but they're really cool. You've got plus a quarter on one side of the flipper and then plus 50 on the other side of the flipper, but it's contoured to where you can hold it even with a quarter over one eye and 50 over the other other eye. Anyway, so fancy flippers. Ask your rep if you don't have them. So I've got my flippers, and I'm going to say, you know, Mrs. Jones, go ahead and look out into the optical, and with both eyes open, I want you to tell me if this is better, worse, or the same. And then I'll say it again, better, worse, or the same. And then again, she has both eyes open, and I usually stand on the right side for whatever reason. I'll take the plus a quarter flipper and put it down over the right eye. And again, I, I think it's really helpful to make a consistent habit of always doing the, the either the right or the left eye first, whichever it is for you. So you, you know, you get in the habit of knowing what you did. So over the right eye, I put plus a quarter. Better, worse, or the same. If they say it's worse, I'm done with that eye. If they say it's the same, I'm going to try the plus 50. I'm going to try to give them more. Um, if I put that quarter in front of them and they say it's better, then I'm going to also try the plus 50. So it's with each eye individually, the point of it, and it, it makes complete sense, I think, you know that their distance is going to be pretty good. The more plus power I can give them, the more it's going to improve their reading power, right? So right eye, better, worse, or the same until I get them to the most plus that they are comfortable. And then I'm going to walk around and go to the left side. Same thing, both eyes open. Is this better, worse, or the same? And I show them the plus a quarter over their left eye. And if they say worse, I'm done. If they say better or the same, I show them the plus 50. And then the same thing, if I show them the plus 50 and they say it's better, or they say it's the same, technically you should try a plus 75. You wanna try the most plus that you can get. Uh, the last step is to check it binocularly, which is I'm going to put the flippers over both eyes at the same time. And for this one, I don't say better, worse, or the same. I just say, how's this? And I'm just confirming that with both eyes open, they also see great through the lenses that I've selected for them. I'm a little long-winded, so I feel like maybe I should summarize that again. What do you think, April? I think you did great, but yes, I always love to go back over it and bring it back to step one, step two. But uh, before you do, I think it's really fun to watch people's reaction and see how amazed they are when, these put the, put, when they put the lenses in. But what do you think the one thing is that many people get uh, confused by early on when a patient comes in and the first thing they say is, uh, these are awesome, but I think I'm a little blurry at distance. What is it that we're tempted to do, which is completely wrong? Right. Um, and and I, I had this very situation happen to me for the first time because I kind of got in the swing of things with people saying like, it's great, but maybe they want more reading. And the first time someone came in and said, my distance is blurry, and we're talking about on the follow-up, right? Um, or at the initial fit, either time this could happen, 
Um, if they say the distance is blurry, I was like, uh, okay. I said I was going to follow the fit guide. So I kind of, you know, sassy put the plus a quarter in front of them. Like, how's this? And they were like, it's better. <laughs> and, yeah. and I, I almost fell over. It is possible that plus will make the distance better as well. It's amazing. All right. So yes, let's go back and recap step one and then tell them about the, the waiting five to 10 minutes in step two, 30 seconds. You go. Okay. So with both eyes open, use your flippers and you do a distance over a fraction on each eye separately by adding plus in quarter steps until the patient reports a decline in distance vision. After you've done each eye individually, you verify the results binocularly, and uh, then you get your new lenses, or you get your technician get your new lenses, or maybe you are in that 80% that get it right on the first shot, and you are done. I love it. That happens all the time, and it's a really fun moment. So if the vision is functional, so now the patient says, these are awesome, then what do you do? I send them home, but... Like we discussed in a previous podcast, it's really important that you educate them properly so they know what to expect. Absolutely. Yeah. You, you know what? I Again, I've learned so much from so many of our colleagues, and it is so amazing the difference it makes when people know what to expect. So mm-hmm. help me to know how you do that, Amanda. So I, um, again, in my practice, what's typically happened is I, I picked those lenses for the patients, the first pair of lenses, and then I sent them off with my tech and I haven't seen them until after the over-refraction. So at this point, after they over-refracted or they have their new set of lenses in, if that was the case, uh, my technician is going to bring them into my exam lane for me with Nothing smaller than the 2040 line on the chart. Good lordy, tell your tell your techs not to take them in with a 2015 or 2020 line on the chart. You want a 2040, and then I walk in and I do that. You know, super exciting. I think you said that you feel like a cheerleader moment where I walk them down the chart and get them, you know, to show me their best vision that they can get to, and then I say, you know what? Your vision's only going to get better from this point as you adapt during the week. I love it. So, you know, that's the other thing, too. I love to set expectations about adaptation. So what do you do and how do you tell them what to do to make sure that adaptation process is ideal? So the main things that I want to tell them are to, to try to do all their regular routines this week if possible. If it's going to a game, if it's spending you know hours on the computer, uh, do your normal activities. I remind them about the lighting conditions that we discussed, and it's, it's not just the obvious one that you need good lighting for up close, and I like to demo that for them too, right? Swing around the light and show them how much better they can see, but also explain about how the... Um, the sun, if they go out in the bright sun, could negatively impact their vision. So they need to wear sunglasses anyway uh, to have healthy eyes. So make sure you wear your sunglasses when you're outside. And I also just, I'm always really careful to make sure that I say, especially if it's a first time multifocal fit, that if it's not perfect, that's okay. And my goal isn't necessarily to get you 100% perfect. 100% of the time, maybe 80 to 90% of the time. 
And if it's not perfect, I want to make sure that no matter what, they come back and they see me in a week wearing the lenses so we can go and do that process again where we refine it even more for them. Absolutely. So, you know, I, I think the other thing I've tried to be really careful about, I know that you do as well, are certain words that maybe we want to avoid or certain words mm -hmm. or terms that you find to be extremely helpful. Are there any that stand out to you, Amanda? Yeah, we, we hear that all the time when we are educating doctors in Fort Worth. They, they say, well, you know, you got to tell them that there's a compromise, you know, and you're going to have to lose vision in one place to get it in the other. And I really just in general avoid saying anything that could be viewed negatively. Um, don't say like, oh, you're going to have your worst vision when you're doing this or that, or um, maybe not, don't, maybe don't even say blurry. Maybe just say that you're going to have some adaptations and I, I'm trying to think of who I, who I borrowed the term from that I always say that you're going to have to have some neuroadaptation because it's not just that the contacts need to take time to work. It's that I explain how, you know, when you look up close, your pupil gets smaller and that's where your reading portion is and how your brain literally has to figure out how to use this new technology. And if you give it time, I know you'll be able to figure it out and you'll, you'll do great. I love it. It makes such a difference to know what to expect and to know that improvement is on its way and every day will get better. I love those things personally as a patient. And April, make sure that we are telling our patients to keep both eyes open. Oh, I, I was going to say that. I love it. <laughs> I don't understand why that's a thing, but it is interesting that patients, I don't know, somebody else is trained them differently, but I always remind them that we function with both eyes open. So please keep them both open. What else do you say though? I say that these lenses are designed to, to work as a team, just like your eyes are working together as a team. And I remind them that, you know, a lot of lenses, especially if they've come out of a different design, right? Other multifocal focal designs, other lenses might have one eye biased for distance or one eye for near, but these luckily are going to work together. Um, and I tell them, you know, you don't really walk around with one eye open and the other eye closed. And remember, that's why we verify the prescription the way that we did with both eyes open. What about sunglasses? You said you like for them to go to the optical and uh, wear the glasses in that, I mean, contacts in that real world setting. But tell me about sunglasses. Right. So when they're going to go outside, if it's, you know, like the bright Florida sunshine, their pupils are going to constrict. And so, April, like we said, when we have that near center design, it's really important to talk about those sunglasses because the last thing I want to happen is for them to you know look around in my optical and, and in my office and say my vision's great and then walk out into the bright sun and say why is it different if they do notice a difference in, in vision. So if they have the sunglasses ready to go, their vision's going to be perfect even in bright sunlight. I love it. So Amanda, now your patient is back for follow-up. What do you find important to ask them at that next visit? I definitely want to lead with how things are going and be encouraging and excited for them. Um, and I need to see 
how they did in the real world, right? Did you feel like your distance was as great as you were hoping? Was your reading as great as you were hoping it, it could be? I feel like um, sometimes when we put patients in multifocals, we're almost hesitant to ask too many questions. It's just like if they say it's good, we're like, okay, we're done. We're, we're fine. But the lens design is so great that I like to positively reinforce how much better they're doing with this lens than they were in their other lenses that they came from, if, that, if that's the case. And not just because of the material, but think about the eye fatigue that people have if they've never been in a really great multifocal. You might not think about asking uh, for comfort questions, but there's a really good chance that they're going to feel more comfortable as well. That is so true. And I think it made a difference for me when I really understood the 96% number. Remind us again what that one is. Right. So in the event I have to change uh, a lens, which sometimes on day one, they might need what the original lens is, but maybe on day two, when I say, how are you doing? And I'll tell you again, from my experience, the most common things that they'll say are either, it's amazing, I love it, or they might say my distance is awesome, but I wish I had a little bit more reading. So what do I do? I take them back out to my hallway and have them point their eyes out at the optical. And I do that same over refraction step again. And I can usually add more plus. And it's interesting because on day one, they might not take as much plus as they do on the follow-up visit. So take them back out. And just know that every every extra quarter you give them does not affect their distance. It's going to make the reading that much better. So now you've actually fit a patient. Um, you know what? Let's walk through in just a few seconds. Walk me through a real patient scenario so I know what that sounds like. You kind of did, but do you mind doing that again? No, no, not at all. Let's do another one. So um, let's say that I have a, a 45-year-old patient that's having some some up-close blurry vision. They're at the computer all day and they're just not wanting to wear glasses. So perfect patient, right? So let me remind you again that the right eye is a minus 250. So when I go to select my lens, I'm going to pull a minus 225 because I'm adding a quarter to the distance prescription of plus. And she was a plus one. So that's easy. That's a low. And then in the left eye, she was a minus two. So I'm going to pull a minus 175, also a low. And I think it's important to note um, that originally this was not the fit guide. So if you say, ah, I've had that fit set for a long time and I never fit it like that, uh, the new versions of the fit guide were because they had so many doctors fitting this lenses with success and adding that quarter is going to cut off part of the work for you, which is why you want to make sure you do that modification when you select your initial lens. Love it. So now we move on. We've let the patient have their five to 10 minutes. We check their vision. Tell me what happens next. So we walk them out into the optical or somewhere where they're looking out into real space. I have my handy flippers and I say with both eyes open on each eye individually, tell me if this is better, worse, or the same. And I add plus in quarter steps until the patient reports a decline in their distance vision. If it makes their vision worse, don't give it to them. Give, it, give them the one previously that you tried. So let's say 
um, let's say that on the right eye, we do our distance over a fraction and the vision worsened after the addition of plus a quarter. What do I do? Nothing, I leave the right eye alone. And then in the left eye, we do the distance over a fraction and it has no change in the distance when I add the plus a quarter. But then when I added the plus 50, it made it worse. So I know I don't wanna give her the plus 50. She was good with that plus a quarter. And then I'm gonna just hold the, the lens. Well, you don't have to add a lens to one eye. The, the binocular test is not as relevant because you're not adding lenses to both eyes. That would normally be my next step. Um, so then what I would pull for her would be a minus 225 low for the right, which is the same one that's already in her eye. And then in the left eye, I'm gonna change her from that minus 175 low to a minus 150 low. And again, at no point here did I say, you know, put up a triangle, let's check dominance. At no point did I even think about changing an ad power and definitely at no point did I ever pull out a minus anything? All you need is your plus flippers and the thick eye. I love it. So now patient puts them on and they go home, right? That's right. Wow, that makes it sound so simple. And and I think from uh, your point in mind, doing this so many times, even in a day, we have found that to be the case. But, you know, I mean, go back to the beginning when we were first learning, what tools did Alcon have, or really even now today, what tools does Alcon have that can be helpful to the practice? Well, the multifocal roadshow we discussed before, and I think that if you're really going to add something new to your practice, you got to just jump in feet first and really do it right, especially if you have multiple doctors. You have on-site staff education and training that you can do, and please take advantage of your reps. The Alcon reps are just, they're so well-trained. And they want to help you fit these lenses properly because they know that if you're fitting them well, you're going to do great with the lenses and you're going to become, you know, an Alcon loyalist like so many of us are when, when we have such success with this lens. But I, I got to tell you, that's why I was the most excited about doing this specific podcast is do it right. It's easy. The results are great. And you're going to keep going back to those lenses that work for you. And it sure is amazing to be able to uh, listen to what our patients want. Sometimes they don't even tell us. We have to ask them questions to understand better and then set their expectations and see the success that you can have. I love it. Thank you so much, Dr. Nanasi. Thanks for having me, Dr. Jasper. So thank you again, everyone, for listening. And thank you, Dr. Nanasi, for your words of wisdom and all of this from her personal experience in her practice. And thank you to Alcon for sponsoring this podcast.